our Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Claire Barnett, who is the Executive Director at UN Women UK. Thanks for joining me today, Claire. Can we start by telling us all how your career took you to your current role? Yeah, sure. So um, UN Women is one of those organisations that people often say, I sort of feel like I should have heard of you, but I don't think I have. So we are the United Nations Organisation for Gender Equality, for women's empowerment and for ending gender based violence. And um, we basically, in in the most basic terms, do three things. We work so that every woman and girl has equal access to safety, choice and a voice. So freedom from violence and and bodily safety, choice over what they do with their lives, their free time and their bodies. And then a voice in society um, as a leader and um, and across politics and social spheres. And I got into this really. I mean, I've always done lots of, I guess, social justice work. Um, so since I was at school, I did various um, work with various charities and also uh, like our local youth council um, and some other youth outreach schemes. So I've always been, um, I guess, very passionate about creating change in my local area. My parents were both um, teachers at state schools and they kind of had a lot of um, experience on a day to day basis of, you know, all sorts of things that happen to young people um, that could be improved and, you know, that could um, that could be helped. So I got a lot um, involved in a lot of that from quite a young age and then really got involved in the gender equality stuff specifically around kind of when I went to university um, and did some work with some women's charities there. And I guess I studied history there um, and did, you know, medieval history as a focus and was really interested in how far back um, some of the challenges that women experience go. Um, so after university, did a few different jobs, some of which were completely unrelated to what I do now, including being a tour guide in Madrid. Um, but eventually ended up actually kind of by accident, really, um, through the sort of student president stuff that I was doing at uni got involved in management consulting Um, and there I was working with um, both research on gender equality and and how the sort of benefits that it can add to society and the economy and then also uh, advising some companies on their gender equality approach and strategy and so I met um, some people from UN Women when they were setting up the UK office through that and initially joined them for six months but really loved the work and somehow five and a half years later I'm still here. (laughs) Well, when you were at school, did you know that you wanted to be in the current world that you are now or did that happen maybe more later in life? Yeah, I think for me, that was definitely later on. I wasn't really kind of aware of like the structure of the UN, certainly wasn't aware of what management consulting was when I was at school, um, probably too busy wanting to hang out with my friends. But um, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I've always been... Um, quite interested in kind of books and also I guess social issues so had an interest in the area but no I think um, probably spent my time at school learning you know a much broader set of kind of skills and interests that I then could use to um, I guess find out what kind of things I liked Um, and you know I did try um, I remember at school I think the first thing I was quite interested in was either working in a library or music shop 
um, mm -hmm. and then I thought maybe law. So I we had to do some work experience at school. So I did try all of those things out in terms of um, like a few days shadowing people and giving it a go. And I think realised that actually I'd maybe liked law because I liked the film Legally Blonde and it wasn't. <laughs> um, but I mean, actually, you know, some of those things like working in a library or working in a music shop, it's not a, a million miles away from what I do now. It's just that now I work in an office. So um didn't know what I wanted to do from an early age but I think kind of you know things came together within areas I'm quite interested in to make that happen yeah well I know you went to Oxford University how important do you think it actually is to go to university though yeah it's a really good question I think it really depends what sort of activity you enjoy doing um for me as I mentioned a really big thing has always been reading um you know I love things like English literature and languages and philosophy at school so it kind of made sense for me to take that path but um it's really lucky to be able to go somewhere like Oxford you know my school kind of I guess didn't have a lot of knowledge of those sorts of universities and we certainly didn't have like coaching and things so I think really you know, I feel very lucky to have sort of stumbled across that path, but I certainly wouldn't say that I think everybody needs to. Um, I have colleagues in my team now who didn't go to university and are absolutely excellent at what they do, you know, better than we chose them for those jobs because they're the best for them and, and they're better than some of their peers who interviewed who did. So I think as long as you have a really good grounding in learning and coaching from people wherever you start out your career, whether that is, you know, um, outdoors, in an office, like all sorts of different environments, as long as you have good people to learn from, um, I think it really depends. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for the experience that I had going to Oxford Uni and learned amazing things. But I think um, there are lots of different routes that can take you to where you want to be. Definitely. So can you tell me a little bit more about what you do day to day as part of UN Women UK? Yeah, of course. So. I run our UK office. Um, so our headquarters is in New York and we're a kind of decentralised office from there. And we do a few things. So we run um, campaigns and projects like the Safe Spaces Now project, which is our um, big campaign um, to make, safe, make public spaces across the UK safer and more inclusive for women, girls and other marginalised groups. Um, so that involves lots of things like, you know, this week we've got a roundtable with people who work in the music industry um, where we want to make festivals and live music venues safer. So working with their bar staff, security guards, you know, everybody on the ground there to really prevent incidents of um, violence or harassing behaviour before they happen. So we do lots of work in that space. Um, I do a fair bit of work alongside members of government. So helping inform, you know, for example, over the past couple of days, they've announced that um, something called cyber flashing, which is being sent images that you didn't ask for in a kind of explicit or offensive online, um, will now become a crime like it is offline. And so I'm really involved in that type of work where, um, you know, helping that regulation, whether it's like within businesses or government, catches up to where we need to be from a human rights perspective. Yeah. Um, and then I do lots of work with, I guess, activists and kind of mobilising the general public to take action as well. So we have a thousand people currently attending a conference called Commission on the Status of Women at the UN, where they're, we're taking them to that online. Uh, and kind of training them in how to understand how the UN works and how they can take action as well. So there's a lot of um, really close work with the public as well. Uh, and then the last kind of big chunk is I do um, fundraising work to support all of that. So we're a charity. 
So, um, you know, we also have a team in the Ukraine and we're working really closely with them at the moment to make sure they're supported through the crisis. So real range of things. Oh, that definitely sounds very busy and very enjoyable. Oh, thanks. I think it's really enjoyable. Um, it's definitely very busy, but I think it's the kind of thing that gets me up in the morning, right? Yeah. So I know you're passionate about exercise. How are you still able to do the sports and activities you, you love during staying at home? That's a really good question. And to be honest, I really like going to the gym. And I think everybody has like a different sport they enjoy, right? But I really enjoy going to the gym. Uh, and where gyms were closed during the kind of peak of the pandemic lockdowns, I really struggled with that. I tried to do home workouts and there's just <laughs> something about jumping around on the floor of my room that I don't think is a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I think um have always tried to keep up something, whether it's just a run outside, because I think if you do have a busy job, you almost kind of deserve that time to yourself. And I think exercise is like the, the f- best free thing that you can do to make you feel good. <laughs> Well, obviously, we've all been hit by COVID with things just beginning to feel normal again. And we just touched on your more personal life during lockdown. But how did you what were the challenges that you had to deal with more professionally? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, because I work in women's rights, I was very involved in how the pandemic was specifically affecting women uh, in different ways and girls around the world. So. We know that um, the pandemic caused women to lose their jobs much more quickly than men because they were much less likely to be in secure contracts that gave them that protection over time. Um, And we also know that women, of course, do a lot of the caring work at home and look after you know, their children, often their parents in in different parts of the world um, and other sick people. You know, women are the majority of staff at the front line of healthcare. So um, a number of ways in which and, you know, sadly, as well, as we saw in the news, um, a lot of women experienced uh, or more likely to experience violence as a result of the lockdowns as well. And, you know, people being frustrated at home. Um, So I was very involved in how do we combat that and keep those women safe, um, get them back into work and also make sure that the government, but also um, companies were doing more to make sure that women could stay in work and could make that work. Um, during the pandemic. So I think, you know, a lot of us have said that for working people, uh, this need to work from home and to learn how to do that is a really great opportunity because it means that women who come home and cook dinner, you know, have that opportunity to juggle their other responsibilities with work. But I think companies are still a a bit behind that. And so we're working with um, a few companies in the UK to do some research to try and really show, you know, what can they do better um, to make sure that the pandemic is always going to be quite a tough thing, but that we're all affected equally and that some groups aren't affected worse. Um, yeah. So we've been doing a lot of a lot of that work. Well, throughout your career, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admired? Good question. And I'd love to hear the same from you. Um, so I wouldn't say that I kind of had mentors when I was younger I think that was like a new concept for me kind of entering the world of work and I guess I know that I used to sort of think it was quite hard to get mentors because maybe I wasn't an interesting enough person and I think (laughs) over my career I've kind of realized that actually 
just finding out sort of what you can do for other people um you know everybody needs help with something some project they've got on and, and so working out how you can help with that and then just building good relationships and being nice to people has kind of been the key so I do now have people around me who are you know amazing at what they do and help me keep my eyes open to different ideas and not get too kind of bogged down in one thing which is really helpful for my work um in terms of people who I really admire I think it's people who aren't afraid to do their own thing a little bit or do it in their own way. So I love people like, um, you know, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's story, because I think she entered the world of politics as a young woman and didn't feel like she had to kind of try and become the people she saw around her, but has just developed this really strong message where she always just goes back to the values. Like, what does she believe in? And people buy into that um, and will vote for her. And I think people like that who kind of understand how to talk to people at the level that they're really interested in on a day-to-day basis what do they care about um is really inspiring so uh, that's definitely one person I admire I read that in 2017 you ran a campaign called hashtag draw a line can you tell me a little bit more about that and some other campaigns you've also been in charge of Yeah, of course. So that campaign, Draw Line, was our first big foray into mass media campaigns where we really reached as many people as possible to talk about our work. And it seems funny to say this now, because to be honest, you know, people protesting and coming together to ask for an end to violence against women is in the news almost every day now. But at the time, it was really seen as a topic that a lot of companies and people didn't really want to talk about. They yeah. thought it was a bit of a taboo. Um, and so it was really, um, you know, quite a kind of out there topic at the time. And we put together this film uh, with some support from an amazing media agency where we just were sharing facts and stats about the experience of women around the world. Uh, and in the UK as well, because I think people often thought some of these problems only affect women elsewhere in the world and we had a really amazing response so we asked people with a big following if they would come on board if they were passionate about this topic and a lot of people knew somebody who'd been affected actually so we had um people like Billy Piper Benedict Cumberbatch um we had like the mayor of London and his team and they kind of came on board and took part in the film uh and then we did real kind of guerrilla marketing tactics so we wanted as many people as possible to see it So we um, put this line on the ground around Covent Garden that was an orange line in line with the kind of draw line messaging and had loads of information on it about our work and about women's rights around the world. So people kind of took selfies with that and um, ended up coming into contact with it and reading our work. And it was shared so many times that it reached 80 million people kind of organically, which was amazing. Um, And that was really a kind of interesting moment because a couple of weeks later, Me Too went from being quite a small campaign uh, working with young women in the US to being like a globally known hashtag and media campaign. So it happened at a time when I think that conversation really opened up worldwide. And since then, we've um, off the back of that, we've built our Safe Spaces Now campaign in the UK, which is really about specific solutions for women and girls safety. And I think you know, it's only gone from strength to strength in terms of the number of people who are involved now. So I think Drawline really, we did it at a time when we had a very small team, almost no resources, you know, no budget. And it showed what you can do when people come together and and really care. It was quite special. 
So what tips would you give girls when they start to think about their careers and their future? Yeah, it's a really good question, Grace. I think um, first thing would be kind of don't worry too much about picking the exact right thing now. Um, You know, so many of us have changed our minds so many times on what we ended up wanting to do. And I think a lot of us had a very clear view about um, something that we, you know, I mentioned that I was absolutely sure after watching Legally Blonde that I wanted to be a lawyer. Or I also really liked CSI. And so I was like, crime scene investigator is another definite option. Um, But, you know, that's obviously changed in a big way. And I love what I do now. So I think the other tip I would say is that sometimes we learn things at school that seem like at the time, why are we doing this? This doesn't relate to the real world. And I guess particularly with maths, which I have to admit I was not very good at. I learned later in life that actually a lot of the bits that I've done in maths, I now use those skills like in Excel documents to work out how to run the finances of my organisation and things. So there were things that actually, you know, you're not going to be good at everything, but um, just trying to kind of make sure that everything is at sort of an okay level that you're comfortable with for the sort of work you want to go into, um, whatever that may be. And then I think For me, when I first started going into the world of work and trying different jobs, it was also um, just trying to learn as much as possible. You know, I think often more and more people are kind of quite entrepreneurial from a young age. And I think that's brilliant. But I also think the value of having a structure and people around you to teach you is just amazing and something that almost money can't buy. So I think going into a workplace where. You know, you know that you're going to get really good coaching and people kind of teaching you and and also a good group of people who you can get on with and, um, you know, have a good time with, I think is important. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Claire. Thank you so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. For more information about us, visit reachnextgeneration.com. And thank you to our sponsors, Barclays Bank, Levi Strauss, Sage PLC, Haynes Watts and Ideal Standard.